Well, hello folks and welcome, welcome back, welcome in. How are you? Welcome Bienvenidos. back. Bienvenidos, friends, to this episode of We the Peeps, a very special episode of We the Peeps. We hope you're all doing well and feeling safe. Uh, this is the American Soccer Podcast in which you are going to get to know everything that you need to know that you neglected to learn in the first place about the USMNT. <laughs> I am Clayton. I'm a rapper. I'm Ty. I'm a web designer. And we just let a gnats, even in a vacuum of time and space. It's We the People. It's We the People. It's We the People. It's We the People. Folks, welcome in. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. Oh my lordy. Oh my lanta. It is it's time. Like that, it's like that hyperbaric chamber in Dragon Ball Z where they go in and it takes like... <laughs> A year to do one day. That's what it feels like right well, now. Well, one day to do a year, yeah. Sports been, doth not move. That's correct. It's been two months. But, but we I've, move. I've experienced <laughs> two decades, three decades of American <laughs> soccer. So we are here uh, to discuss a couple things. One, don't bury the headline. Don't bury the lead. Uh, soccer's back, y'all. Bundesliga's back. I hope you all fired up your Fubo accounts. Uh, so believe it or not, we have an Dust actual... Dust off that Fubo login. <laughs> get in there. <laughs> we have an actual live uh, fishy report for you folks. We're just going to talk a little bit about the real world of actual sports. Wonderful. Uh, but in addition to that, in order to, uh, to fill this one out a little bit, and also because how could you not, we are going to talk about the... The, uh, I want to say the zero dose, apostrophe zero dose, uh, dosa zero. Uh, that's uh, 2002 USA versus Mexico, uh, two zero win, vintage, vintage match, uh, uh, which vintage. you can, if you'd like, you can go back and watch that, uh, footballia.net, <clears throat> two L's.net. Uh, if you want to, but uh, you don't have to. You don't have to. You'll enjoy the discussion even if you just watch highlights or even if you've never seen the game at all. So that's what we're going to do today. Ty, you ready to dive right in? Lego. Lego. Let us start with, oh, it's back, baby. Bund is back. Bund is motherfucking back. And it's never been more worth it to pay $50 a month to watch games. Uh, it's a little weird. Uh, if you haven't been tuning in to the Bundesliga games that have occurred, uh, there's no, aud- there's no um, audience. There's no crowd. There's no, <laughs> no one audience. in the stands. <laughs> Some teams have elected to play a backing track of fake yep. uh, cheers, which is odd. Everyone's a little confused. Um, but it's, it's real soccer. It's real soccer. Ty, um, what, what, have your, what have your favorite moments been of the past couple weekends? Well, it's been interesting. I, I, you know, I'll take it. It's, it's definitely not the same, but, uh, but it, it, it still hits the spot. I think what has really hurt the most or like been the most poignant difference is the celebrations. Yeah. It's got a very like training session vibe where they don't want to go too crazy. And, uh, I think the influence on the rest of the game is a little more subtle, but it's definitely there. There's there's a lot less um, a lot less energy, particularly like looking at the uh, the the Schalke Dortmund game. You know that's a game yeah. that's usually like like a total battle. I think the the lack of a crowd helped Dortmund uh, dominate because they have a skill advantage, obviously. But in in that kind of heated environment, it could be harder for them um, even at home. So it's been interesting. I think you're going to see good teams win and bad teams lose a lot more. You're going to see a lot less, uh, less you know, crazy stuff happening. Um, and I think you'll see teams that are disciplined and uh, smart uh, profiting from the situation. And I'm grateful to them that they got their act together and are able to do this. It seems like they're doing it in a way that's reasonably safe and that people are able to get the tests that they need in order to ensure that. So as long as that's the case, I'm all for it. It is quite lovely to see precautions taken and to see how <laughs> to see how everyone decides to wear the mask is uh, one of my favorite side oh, quests. Yeah. There are just so many, so many different ways. Uh, who did Schalke play yesterday? Was it Dusseldorf? They played someone not someone, so good. Someone not oh, so good. Augsburg. Aug- they lost uh, Augsburg. Augsburg. The, the, the coach, the manager for <laughs> Augsburg is wearing the mask on his upper arm. 
uh, which <laughs> did not seem effective to me. And then it turns out that he's the one guy who's so far already been penalized for breaking the COVID rules. So, uh, <laughs> just so I mean, I know he doesn't probably actually think that that works, but it, he's it been works. he's been watching Alex Jones videos. That's what they recommended. So funny. Um, no, it's been really fun. Uh, one of my favorite things is getting to hear Julian Nagelsmann say Tyler. Uh, quite clearly. Uh, and with that, let's get Here, into a, just a quick fishy, man. We're, we're seeing some actual uh, fishies hit the field. Not only fishies, some some regular gnats too. John Brooks, cough, cough, but some 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 fishy action. Ty, what's been going on around the league? Yeah, uh, the Yanks have been playing. Um, they've been injury-free after being kind of on and off the whole year. Well, so actually, Adams. if I can just cut in right away. The, the initial, oh. so we were, the first game, Dortmund-Schalke, uh, the hype is real. It's Weston versus Gio Oh, Reyna, yeah, sure, yeah, I'm the, not quite Gio right Reyna got a little too hype, <laughs> injured himself in the warm-up, a little did too not hype. make the start, but uh, we, we get to see him later anyways. He did he did a little too much jumping around <laughs> pre-game. Um, yeah, yeah, so Gio, Gio hurt himself, but he did get into the second game. Uh, and and seemed fine. Um, it's your boy, Swan Jürgen, checking in. Gio Reyna made another appearance in Der Klassica. Dortmund, Bayern, a sad, sad 1-0 loss for Dortmund. This recording took place before kickoff. Please bear this in mind. So we've got, let's see, what do we, we got Sargent, Tyler, Weston, Gio, and Brooks, and Alfredo Morales, and Stefan, active. There was also, uh, there was a Timmy Chandler sighting. Timmy Chandler sighting, oh Oh, my god, I forgot about Timmy Chandler. Everyone forgot about Timmy Chandler. (laughs) Timmy Chandler's the only person who didn't forget forget about Timmy Chandler. (laughs) Um, Even he does sometimes. <laughs> but what are your, what are your highlights here? <laughs> and sometimes, yeah, he looks in the mirror like, who, who, do I know you? Um, so it was, <laughs> it was great to see. I would say my my low light is uh, Weston McKenney suffering through some some Schalke uh, pains. Yeah, um, Weston hasn't been great, but the, all of Schalke has been bad. So yeah, he's but he is responsible for some of those. He goals. is responsible. So it's, yes, yeah, it's rough, and I want to say. Um, in quarantine time, there have been some some awesome interviews, and you, you know I'm getting to hear some of these guys talk more. One of the things I discovered um, from the uh, what's his face the the Hercules Gomez interviews is that Weston McKenney does not watch the game of soccer on TV. He'd rather watch a movie, and I feel like that shows in some of some of his uh, some of wow, his plays. Wow, that's so, interesting. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Apparently, so, um, apparently Tyler Adams has been scouting. Young Ajax games. I saw that too. <laughs> so lit, bro. So that says a lot, and doesn't the difference, it? And the difference shows, right? So swinging over to yeah. my highlight is Tyler Adams at the six for RB Leipzig in what was already, I think, 4-0, but um, looking very, very good, looking like the best defensive uh, option in the midfield uh, for RB Leipzig. Yeah, he, he has to compete pretty hard for time at the six. But he, he's going to get time. But he gets shunted off to right back a decent amount. Yeah, yeah. when the when midfield gets crowded. So so this this uh, rest of this year will be a good chance for him to prove that he should just lay claim to that spot and and own that spot. He will get there. And given the the past year and a half, I'm I'm happy to see some minutes management for him and just just ease him in. I no problem with that. It's yeah, it's fine. Get him get him through to the end of this year. I think that's what this is about. I think if the COVID crisis had started, you know, a couple weeks into the season, this wouldn't be a thing. Um, but the the fact that they've only got ten games left, the Bundesliga is a shorter season than most of the the European seasons, and their uh, system apparently has been in shape enough to make something like this happen. So they can just get through to the summer and then sort of reevaluate when it comes to the fall, maybe start late even in the fall um, and get full seasons in. I think that's a big win for them. So I think that's what, that's what it's all about is just keeping, keeping the players safe, healthy, and just seeing out the season. Uh, and from our perspective, we're, we're thrilled to be able to watch some of our Nats in action, even in this like weird alternate universe kind of way. So down. Yeah. I'm, I'm so super down. Uh, and, and you know, as, as, 
training campy as it does sometimes feel, I would be happy to watch Weston McKenney in practice for hours. No, no problem oh, yeah. with that. So yeah. down. Not to be a creep, but I'm just, you know, <laughs> I, I need, some, need some soccer to watch. Watch him on the training field. Watch him in the dressing room. <laughs> watch uh, him in the massage room. <laughs> What's the uh, sting? What's the police song? Every yeah. time you think. Every time you, you train. I love you, Weston. I'll be creeping on you. <laughs> um, any, other, any other highlights here? We've got Verda Bremen coming up. We've got the uh, Dare Classica coming up. Some exciting games yeah. to watch. Not a, not a Nats fishy, but Alfonso Davies has been lit. Conca fishy. Alfonso Davies is hashtag oh lit. He's he he's on fire. He's so good. He's you, uh, yeah. I, I asked you. If, I, I, I asked you a few months ago. Would you take Polisic or Davies? And you said Polisic. I'm I'm wondering if uh, that stands. It was close. It was close. And I I don't know. At the moment, do you take Davies? Pro- yes, it's still dude. Really I'm, close. I'm sorry. Yes. I, yes. I, yes. I, I okay. All right, all right. I love you. I, he's got a couple baby, years I on Pulley. So also. Oh, is that true? Uh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. Good. He's like he's still only like nineteen twenty. Gosh, he's amazing. So uh, anyway, it's it's good times. It's good good to see our our guys out there and um, just you know hoping for the best. Unfortunately, Werder Bremen is is looking pretty pretty trash fiery, dumpster fiery. Yeah, it's getting it's getting dire over there. It getting dire. Yeah, he, but he, I, he I you know dire. I think we've as we've always said, uh, Bremen going to the two Bundesliga next year would be good for Josh. I think he'd get to start he'd get 30 plus games and and could actually get a scoring run going and get a rhythm and then hopefully bring that up to the to the first division we'd love to see that and of course it's a joy and a pleasure to watch generation two of the uh the super nats rising uh geo reyna so it started yes. with, it started with Polisic like six years ago or whatever, <laughs> being like, holy shit, we have an actually good player. We're not just on Gideon Zalalem anymore. And Generation exactly. 2 has begun. It's actually Gio Reyna, Gio yeah. Reyna is here. Uh, he's, he's on a similar track. He's fun to watch. Um, and I feel like uh, this is, that's a perfect transition into this O2 game that we're going to talk about. But any, yes. any thoughts on Gio Reyna before we, we go to the, the OG Reyna? Oh my God! Yes, we have father son connection here. Geo, yeah, Geo's doing okay. He's he's not balling out all the time. He's inconsistent. When he balls out, it's notable. When he has crazy touches or, or yeah. you know, scores nice goals, um, he's clearly exceptionally talented and just needs time. And what I love about Dortmund is that they are willing to give him that time. Like clearly, you know. Mario Götze is a better player today, but they're opting to give this kid time, even in the middle of a title race, and that's that's really to their credit, I think. So uh, it's it's just a perfect spot. It's it, you know, Pulisic kind of paved the way. Prior players even paved the way at Dortmund for them to have some respect for for the U.S. Uh, pool, and I think he's just in a great spot to keep growing and and actually develop into a, a stone cold killer but I, I you i know you're super high on him you you remain i remain high. incredibly incredibly high future on the, captain on the Reyna. no i don't i don't think he's a captain type i think it's bad for his ego um you know when you see him play with the youth teams he just will not pass and i don't i never want to see that i i want to have tyler adams yeah, he know likey pass pass yeah, he know likey pass pass <laughs> except when he's at, with the senior team which has been i forget if i right. I, I may have mentioned this sorry if i already have but that's my main take on geo reyna is you know he he goes to the senior team and you immediately see the difference in his demeanor when he plays with players that he respects um, right, right right and so for to sure. me it's just it's just obvious that um that you know we got the wrong idea about him watching him on youth teams like he's clearly a, co- a combination player he's down I, yeah i see what you mean you yeah, know yeah. um so anyways anyways uh excited for and, Geo, and still go dortmund i mean if you're go not dortmund. rooting if you're not rooting for dortmund in this you have no race, soul you have no soul <laughs> julian brandt guys <laughs> julian brandt come on oh. come on all right all right go dortmund 
Julian uh, Brandt looks like a Cabbage Patch doll. He does. I I'm I love him. I love him in the same way I had like a romance with uh, Jesse Lingard for a while. I'm I'm on the Julian sure. Brandt train. He's, he's so elegant. Also, just a, a quick shout out to uh, Marco Royce. Thank you for maintaining the the normalcy <laughs> oh my God. for all of us by staying injured even after two months of Somehow. rehab time. Somehow. It's good. I think it's good for society that Royce <laughs> decided to remain injured. Yes, that's right. He got a he got a message from the from the federation. The world feels the normal Fed. again. <laughs> we appreciate your service. Uh, just he's so generous, uh. so generous. All right, all right, all right. Let's uh, let's flash back. Let's do a little. Uh, let's do a little sort of extended story time as we've been doing, diving into the archives here uh, with the USMNT archives. Folks, welcome in to this uh, extended story time. So the game was, the game hath been USA versus Mexico. It's 2002 tie. Before I give the lineup and the game recap, can you give just a, a little greater context for, for what we're coming into here? Last time we spoke, I believe we were in 1992. Or was it 1990? Yes. 1994, yes. Uh, so, so in 94, the U.S. had a successful World Cup at home, reached the quarters, got knocked up by Brazil, no shame in that. 98, they go to France and get walloped and come in, in, in the officially published standings, come in last in the World Cup. Uh, better to make it than not, but they didn't do well. <laughs> in 2002, you have, of course, the backdrop of 9-11, and you have a kind of weird qualifying cycle kind of working through that, and the U.S. team comes into the tournament actually not, you know, not as, not as uh, huge underdogs, but definitely, definitely under the radar, not, not expected to do very well. And in the first game, they go up 3-0 against Portugal, who are highly touted but very old and it it emerges that this this team US team is full of this energy and excitement around particularly the the two young players Beasley and Donovan who just have this spark and and they ha- they have what it takes to to get through and and manage to beat Portugal 3 to 2 then they have the hosts South Korea who they draw in a you know admirable fashion? Always a tough match going up against the hosts, and all they need to do in the third game against uh, Poland, who I think are already eliminated at this time, is just like get a draw or you know narrow win is fine. Uh, they're on four points, and they very nearly blow it by losing I think three nothing to port to to Poland, uh, and they need a, a late goal from South Korea to. Uh, advance in the other game so they kind of get through by the skin of their teeth and they get a little lucky and what happens is if they had won the portugal game they would have been a one or the poland game they would have been a one seed and they would have played some you know big european team instead they go through as a two and they draw mexico and so it lines up perfectly where they get a little lucky to get through and in getting lucky getting through in that fashion they actually get a much better draw really because first of all, Mexico is not as strong a team as some of the other opponents they could have played, but they're also very familiar, obviously, with Mexico. So they they have a game plan and they they have a an understanding, a deep understanding of of the opponent. So it sits it it sets per, sets up perfectly for the U.S., where the U.S. is decidedly an underdog. I don't think there's a lot of pressure on the U.S. specifically, but they feel like they have what what they are going to need in order to win the game, and then. The ball and rolled, then, and, and then. So things happened. With, so folks, line them up. Uh, line them the F up. Get out there. How many, how many gloves? Ten gloves for you, Brad Friedel. <laughs> line them You're going to the need them. <laughs> Brad Friedel, uh, get out the commentary booth. Uh, big hands, yeah, all gloves. Exactly. <laughs> we need you now more than ever. No mics, all gloves. <laughs> so it's first on the team sheet, Brad Friedel, two gloves, ten gloves. And then we've got uh, a fantastic list of a cast of characters that you are going to recognize for sure, even if you know nothing about the history of this team, which I kind of, um, you know, I, I don't. Uh, so here we go. We've got Greg Berhalter. 
uh, in defense. Yes, that Greg Berhalter. That, yes, the Greggy B. <laughs> the uh, we've Greggy got B. Paolo Mastroeni. Uh, we've got oh. um, our, our own Sané, which I didn't know we yep. had one. Uh, we've oh, yeah. got Eddie Pope, vintage. And then uh, who's the other defender here? Is it, oh, is it Job? Eddie, Eddie Lewis. Eddie Lewis, thank you. Um, so I'm going to go out of order and, for the, out of position for the rest of these. We've got Job, John O'Brien. Uh, we've got the Claudio Reyna. We've got Josh Wolf. We've got the jersey that would never die, Brian McBride. And last but definitely not least, starting this one is Landon Donovan. Let's fucking go. Uh, L-F-G, folks. boys. <laughs> L-F-G. Oh, and uh, how could I forget? The the original uh, 1.0, Bruce Arena at the helm. Uh, yeah, in Bruce this one, won. Yeah. Bruce won. Bruce, the good Bruce. <laughs> the Bruce we know and love. Uh, so this game was almost entirely Mexico, almost entirely scoring. Uh, but they just wouldn't do it. In the eighth minute, the U.S. would steal one from a Claudio Reyna epic dribbles, uh, getting mistaken by the commentator for Landon Donovan. I went back. I watched <laughs> it twice. It's Claudio Reyna. Uh, he, he hands it off to uh, Josh Wolf, who then slots it backwards to Brian McBride, who shoots it on the ground to the far post. It's like a man Wham. city Pep Guardiola hammer goal. coming down a hammer beautiful goal eight minutes one up how did that just happen Mexico's like we got plenty of time and they did their absolute best uh, there were infinite chances I uh, had a great time watching a player named Borghetti the striker for Mexico oh, yeah. at the time Legend. Uh, who is just very tall and very smiley and uh, seems to really enjoy his life uh, even in this dosa zero um, embarrassment and of course uh, gotta shout him out vintage prime uh, Cotemic Blanco Come on now. Oh, the, the, who, the, even when young, looked old. <laughs> he always looked old. <laughs> and he has that. He has that guy that was s- the ugliest baby ever, I guarantee you that. <laughs> he, has the, uh, he has that, like, sold his soul to the devil look. It's like, how yeah, is this exactly, guy, yeah. he can't be this good. But he just does it. He does amazing Kind of like things. an Emperor Palpatine steez. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so lit. So dope. Um, but it just wouldn't go in. And then, uh, in so in the second half, John O'Brien has a very clear hand of God moment. Uh, Job. Job uh, just swats one off a corner kick, gets away with it somehow. And then about 10, 15 minutes later, Eddie Lewis to Landon Donovan, header, jerseys off, all screams, all round, epic, epic uh, celebration, including one uh, Beasley and, of course, my fave uh, for days, Clint Mathis from Clint back in Mathis, the day. Clint Mathis, you're, you're boy, the OG. Metro stars, let's go. Uh, epic celebration here. It's Dosa Zero. And then um, Donovan has a, a third chance. There were really only three real chances for the USMNT Three in this chances. game. That's right. Two of them went yep. in, and then Donovan skies the third one just to be sure that it's Dosa Zero for the for the tradition. It's about tradition, folks. Uh, so US wins this one somehow, some way. Dosa Zero, it's a beautiful thing. I can't say it enough. Um, Ty, what were your first impressions upon re-watching this vintage match? My, my first impression is just understanding how deep the mentality of bunkering in U.S. soccer is and yeah. how hard it's going to be to change. And I, watching this game, I was... Oh, my was, God. Seeing Greg Berhalter just rip long ones to no one. Yep. And just comparing yep. that with <laughs> the current day messaging. Yep. Exactly. Well, that's exactly where I'm going. I, I guess that Berhalter's current mentality is forged by understanding that this is not repeatable necessarily. You know, that said, I think he, in what he's doing, is fighting against literally the best win we've ever had. So, and a lot of the success that we've had in in big tournaments, you know, when we've done well, has have been these kind of heroic, bend but not break, you know, uh, beat them up kind of performances. And that makes sense. That's where we've been at skill wise. And I think we're, we're right now in the middle of kind of a culture war between the the um you know new breed higher touch coaches and players and a US soccer culture that has been that has been rewarded for this mentality and this identity for 
a long time. And, and the struggle is integrating both of those things. So we have the toughness of, of this team and of, you know, even the, the 2006 team that doesn't get out of the group, but, but draws against Italy. Um, the, there is good stuff there and there is good stuff in this game. But the reality is like, if this game's played with VAR, we probably lose. And if you play this game 10 times, I think we only win two. So the, 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 you know, the, the die came up our way this time. Um, critical hit by the Nats. <laughs> but, <laughs> but this is not, this is not a repeatable strategy. You know, this is a way that as bad players, we can have a shot or as worse players, we can have a shot. And I, it's, it's, it's worth moving on from, but it's also worth just enjoying. I mean, oh my God, the feeling. I, it's it's been the feels. It's the been feels. twenty years, but the feeling watching McBride hammer that ball into the net in the eighth minute, it just it overwhelms you uh, even to this day as a Nats fan. It's incredible to see. And so to just to speak to the generational thing, we've got we've got this generation that really is, you know, the the toughness. This is kind of the 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 prime the end the prime towards the end of the toughness 90s generation right we've got baby donovan coming up and beasley coming up and that's the the transition generation which would be michael bradley and josie altador right these players who were a little bit more skillful uh you know there but but still had the the tough underdog mentality vibe um and we're come and then there was the lost the breck shea generation which was just completely lost i don't know what happened there and now we're coming up with the new generation which is like <laughs> no no one knows what happened. No, no one knows. No one knows. <laughs> and we've got the current generation now, which is uh, which has traded off some of that toughness uh, for more skill. So the Polisics breeded in the Dortmund, whatever Ender's Game virtual reality training. <laughs> exactly. In those, in those uh, like Matrix tanks that they put them in. <laughs> who's like not used to being an underdog, not used to getting beat up all the time. Um, just not the same. So it's cool to see this, and it's sad sometimes to see the team we currently have. Uh, lack that bite, uh, but it's important to to under to to sort of appreciate that that we're getting to where we want to be. This is maybe a, a darkness before the light situation. Yes, yes, absolutely, and it's a matter of how you integrate those things and and finding the overlap. Where you know it's like there's some fundamental value in in Americanism, even just to go very broadly, and and you know specifically American soccer. That must be maintained. You can't. You, we we just can't be Spain. We're that doesn't make sense for us. I think it makes total sense for us to be like to to play badass soccer. That's like the way that we've defined it on this show. I think the the women do a very good job of this. The women are usually the be, the most technical team and the most physical team and yeah. the most energetic team yeah. and physically prepared team. So I I, I think you it doesn't have to be an either or. But like I'm reminded of. Uh, uh, the the Costa Rica qualifier in the last cycle, where um, after the game, I think it was Sebi Sebi Salazar was talking to uh, to Herc, and they were saying like, you know, how many times was uh, Pulisic on his ass? You know, ten, fifteen times getting tackled from behind and shouldered off the ball and all this stuff, and how many times was Brian Ruiz on his ass? Barely any. And I think what we've lost in the in the recent iterations of the team is that were easier to play against than, than this team was. This, this team, they took a lot of punishment, but they, they gave a lot of punishment too. I mean, Mastroeni's studs were up on several occasions and there, were, there was plenty oh, yeah. of shouldering and the, plenty, the, the of, plenty of, of studs cards. in the Achilles. Yeah, I mean. Yellow cards for days in this one. Yeah, and um, I think you can be technical and also do that. You, you know can. what I mean? You I don't they, see there being a dichotomy there. You really can. The the uh, the um, the Croatian team from the sure, most recent sure. World Cup. Comes good to good mind. example. Yes. So it's like three or four very technical players playing at a really high level, and then it's a bunch of players that are like tough, aggressive, physical, playing in your like legit European leagues, but not necessarily names that you went into the tournament knowing about. Right, right. But even even your your Modric's will get stuck in, you know, yeah. and. He just does his best because he's he weighs like 105 pounds and and it's <laughs> it's not the easiest to tackle the ball off people but uh, but he, he gets in and and I I think we need that I, I, another one is another good example is Belgium <coughs> who you know they 
they have flaws in their team, obviously, but I think they balance this well too. They have some some bruisers in the midfield, but even their wizards are, are like like uh, Ed Nazard are energetic and committed and willing to run the hard yards, as they say. So I think there's a balance there to be struck, but it's it's about uh, unveiling those kind of core values to the way that we want our soccer to be and then just figuring out how we can express that with the pool that we have. So let's talk about the epitome of uh, technique and toughness. One Claudio Reyna. Yes. The commentator at the GOAT. The commentator at the beginning of this says, This is the greatest soccer player, agreed upon greatest soccer player of all time by a large measure. And I'm sitting there watching Landon Donovan, who, pardon my ignorance, I thought was, uh, you know, in today's day and age, in that conversation, right? So am I am I correct in assuming that Donovan had just hadn't reached the stature that Claudio had at the time? And, well, and, yeah, know, what at was this that point, stature? yeah, Landon, I don't know if he'd played much senior team soccer. This was really his big breakthrough to adult soccer. It's wild. It's Hard really to believe. Crazy. But yeah, it's, yeah so the, the, that's how the timing worked. I wouldn't say Claudio was like head and shoulders above uh, many of the others, but uh, certainly in that top group. Um, and he is easily the most technically gifted player for the U.S. And the key quirk to this game that ends up really helping the U.S. or ended up really helping the U.S. is the tactical switch, which I was I was reading up on kind of the the uh, circumstances of the game. And what happened is that the U.S. was missing a couple defenders through injury. And so what they decided to do is play five at the back with Reyna and Eddie Lewis, who are usually midfielders, as those wingbacks, trying to play like a two-way role. And so it turned out to be this like pretty brilliant tactical switch where Let's go, we, Bruce. we minimized the, the threat of uh, uh, Mexico's attackers and we, we made them have to change their own system to bring in a little bit more uh, firepower up front. They had to make a sub in the 30th minute. And it kind of happened by accident, but it ended up working out perfectly in that regard. And then also provided both of the goals, where you have Mexico's fullbacks pushing forward, getting tired, and then you have uh, Reyna and Lewis going the other way. Reyna for the first goal, Lewis for the second, where they're able to provide that really crisp service uh, from, from wide areas. And that was basically the only width that we had we didn't have any possession through the midfield. We weren't really able to create chances aside from those three chances that came from the wings. Um, the last one came from Kobe Jones, who replaced McBride kind of as a just pest forward. Um, and the, so the, this kind of like accidental uh, five at the back thing ended up paying off big time for the U.S. in in both regards. And, you know... I, I I can see it making sense. Like if you can only get Reyna a couple touches, I guess make them touches where he can have an impact, uh, and he where he's not chasing down uh, Katomic Blanco all day. Yeah, and just imagine putting Polisic back there, which you know has happened on maybe one occasion, I think. But it's just yeah. a stark difference that Polisic is not the kind of player you can trust in that sort of a situation. And that's that's sad. But on the flip side, you put someone like Weston or Tyler Adams there and you're good to go. So maybe, you know, maybe the uh the the maybe the concern is a little too maybe there's too much concern over this lack of toughness when you actually really look at what the pool can do. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I think it's it's a mentality more than it's about ability. You know, I think we used to go into games thinking that we're going to have to beat them up in order to have a, ch- a chance, and we kind of underrated or undersold our technical skill. But now I feel like it's the opposite at times where, you know, I remember going into some of those World Cup qualifiers where we're like, holy shit, we've got players at Dortmund, later, you know, p- players from the Premier League. When you look at our lineup on paper, it's so much better than Honduras, so much better than Panama. And that led to a false sense of security, I think, you know, so, yeah. And this game is a perfect example of the principle that, you know, you don't win the game on paper. (laughs) Having a skill advantage just means that if you activate that skill advantage, 
you're going to win. But if you don't activate that skill advantage, it doesn't end up mattering that much. It doesn't and matter. The reason that these like putting these games into the mud works so well for the U.S. is that we distract Mexico from their advantage, and this is it's a it's a tried and true way that we can get under their skin because they they understandably are very emotional about playing us as we are against them, and if we can turn it into a matter of you know who gets fewer cards, then we have a better shot. So. You you understand it, that, and that's 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 where I'm I'm coming from with this. Is like I think it it makes sense the way that we've been approaching these games for a long time. It's just like we have to break out of it. We have to find a new way. Well, Greggy B maybe Greggie is like B. someone who can do that maybe. as like a a, a sh- transitional character in all of this. We'll see. So the thing the thing that I think really stands out to me about this O2 team is the teaminess of it. The the group, I want to so say. So teamy. The uh, group. <laughs> this feels like a real team. You look at it and this could be this could be a team a, a club team, you know, that really knows each other. There's just something about the different roles. Everyone has a role that they're playing and and kind of a purpose. Um, and I don't feel that way about the current iteration. So speaking of Greggy B, right, he, I can see that his intention is to create groupiness, hence the reference to the, the group, the eternal non-ending group. <laughs> the eternal. Uh, the group. Um, but I don't it's see, like, I, I just don't feel like it's, the I guess, the right players or something's not right about it. Why did this O2 team feel so teamy uh, in a way that our current group doesn't? It's a great question. I, I don't know enough about the the journey of this group to be able to say, but I think the current group is still suffering from this lack of a middle generation where yeah. we've got we've got a lot of players under 25 and we've got a couple players hanging on in their late 20s, early 30s, and we don't have much in between. The 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 generation that should be our leadership is still not there, still missing. So I think, yeah, having to rely on the kids to provide that leadership is, is a lot to ask. But I think, you know, I think it's just a matter of time. I think in, in a couple of years, the, the Westons and Tylers and Polisics are going to be ready to lead and in a, in a really significant way. So I, I think the groupiness will come, but I think it's just a byproduct of this, this missing generation and then also all the shit, the turmoil and controversy that's surrounded the program for so long. There's just so much feel bad around the program, you know? Yeah. Yeah. From, you know, our our most successful product as a soccer nation is this women's team. That's like constantly disrespected by its own federation. And then the the men are even put into an awkward position because of that. Uh, It's it's just like the wrong vibe, the wrong vibe. So you've got new leadership kind of fully extricated from, the prior era, which got us very far, and we're we've we're on record that we're grateful for that, but it, it has been time for change, and and hopefully this is the beginning of larger, broader institutional change. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Ty, what happened uh, in the rest of this tournament? Well, some bad news for you, WTP fam. So all the luck that the U.S. had in this uh, game, they did not have in the next game, which was a one nothing lost to Germany. Um, the other thing about this World Cup, I forgot to mention in the, in the lead-up, this was played early because of the uh, rainy season in Asia. So it was played earlier than your normal World Cup. I think it was like June, like mid-June. And the so the European season ended about three weeks before the, uh, the World Cup started. And the circumstances like the fields were very weird the refereeing was very weird the the world cup had never been played in asia so there's like a time component and all this stuff and everything kind of conspired to make this one of the weirdest and and most random world cups ever so you had a semi-final <laughs> let's get a peep nomination um, for that yeah exactly you had a you had a semi between croatia and turkey uh or yeah is that right I forget, but anyway, you had you had a lot of players making, you had a lot of teams making super super deep runs that really had no right to make a deep run, and the U.S. was a part of that. Uh, you know, the the win against Portugal could be a good example there, where the U.S. players are are mid season, they're well rested, they're they're prepared, and the the Portuguese players are coming back from long campaigns in Champions League. 
Um, and it was just perfect, perfect timing, perfect situation. So the U.S., in keeping with that narrative, uh, by many accounts, was the better team in the Germany game. Um, I don't, I wouldn't take it quite that far, but certainly held their own against Germany. And they uh, almost got a penalty. It should have gotten a penalty to potentially equalize late in the game when uh, Torsten Frings, later of a Toronto FC actually, um, handled the ball on the line. Great German midfielder. And didn't get the penalty. So the, the penalty that Mexico didn't get when uh, O'Brien handled um, in the box was transferred to the U.S. in the next game, and uh, <laughs> so we got we yeah. got we got booted. But it you comes know, around top eight, and it goes around. It, indeed, indeed. Uh, bad referees give, bad referees take it away. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, top eight certainly above expectation. A very um, a historic showing by the U.S. We've, we haven't repeated since, and might be a little while before we repeat again so uh, it's 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 great to remember that that moment when we might have just beaten germany and gone on to the semis of the world cup that would have been Oof. something else it would have been it would have been a sight to see um a uh, real quick shout out to to Brian McBride, the the current what's his what's his role general manager sporting current, director yeah grand poobah Grand Puba, a guy who goes around to the clubs and talks to them about releasing our players. Um, can you, for I, most, I, I, everyone is familiar with the name Brian McBride, but I personally am, am lacking a little bit of context on why he's so important to the history of this team. Can you, can you give me a quick primer on, on uh, McBride? Yeah, so McBride was one of the first, I would say, dependable, locked-in number nines that we had in in the modern era where he's one of the first names on the team sheet. He's a team leader. He's consistent. I think he scored scored a goal every three games or so for the U.S. and was always active, always aggressive. And so he was a great player for the Nats. But I think his broader impact on the team was his foreign exploits where he went to Fulham, um, I think, out of college. And forged a role for himself at Fulham and succeeded over a very long period of time, maybe seven years, eight years, where him being there kind of leads to Dempsey being there and Eddie Johnson and and um, and some other players who, who trickled through there. And it just kind of opened the door a little crack wider for, for U.S. players to go Overseas and and the fact that he was able to succeed, especially as a striker, I mean, you 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 can think, okay, we'll we'll go to the U.S. for a a, a burly central defender like uh, like Greggy B, or for a <laughs> sure. goalkeeper like Brad Friedel, but to go for for an attacker is a real culture shift. So I think you can draw a direct line between you know him succeeding at Fulham and uh, and Pulisic being plucked from the the Pennsylvania travel teams to to go join Dortmund. So it's it's a pretty seminal thing in in US soccer history and so he's he's a legend on the field for the US and also for everything else that he did for the and, program. And and, and a great play a great person to have in that role this this new Grand Poobah made Grand up Puba. invented role. Grand Poobah. Yeah, no, you're you're reminding me of uh, in high school when Fulham, you know, when we were in high school, which is 10, yep. 12, you know, whatever years ago, 12, 18, 100 years ago. 100 um, years ago, yeah. That Fulham was the, was known as like the club that would accept Americans and there really yeah. wasn't another European home for Americans to go. And that's just no longer the case. Today, it's like the Bundesliga is, is all over young Americans, all over the yep. place. Yep, yep, um, and it's a it, it's a steady progression, and you know, obviously, we had our flops. Uh, looking at you, Josie, um, but you know, I, that's not fair. I mean, he he, he definitely attracted uh, Americans to the Eredivisie, but didn't didn't do us a lot of credit in the Premier League. Um, but it, you know, it was just that these guys had to be the first to do it, and it, obviously, they're not doing it like necessarily altruistically or whatever. But it's just like it's it's progress, and I think. Everyone, every American who has a career in Europe can thank Claudio Reyna and Brian McBride for, you know, the, the roles that they played in, in raising our reputation. 
Uh, and uh, there will be a next generation. There already is. I think you can safely say that uh, Polisic plays a role in Geo being at Dortmund, right? So the every, everyone who comes up has some knock-on effect, and and we hope that that continues kind of exponentially. It really is beautiful to trace it from from our last episode story time from like Tab to yes. Geo. You know, yes, you go tab yes, to Gio, yes. you've got tab like youth national coach, and then you've got Claudio Reyna, and then you've got, you know, and then you've got McBride, Dempsey, even you can throw in Bradley in, in, uh, the, in, in Italy, uh, maybe why not for, for a sure. little bit there. And, yeah. um, and then trace that to uh, all the way to Pulisic. And then finally the baby, the Pookie baby, Gio Reyna, uh, greatest well, American prospect of all time. One, one little arc I loved between the last game, um, the 94 game we watched and this is, um. Kobe Jones, where where Kobe yeah. Jones comes comes on as a sub in the '94 game, uh, and is maybe 20, 21, and then he comes into this game with 156 caps. It's like, it's good so God, crazy. dude didn't take a day off for 12 looks, years. He looks the same. It's got. I gotta say, it's, it's just the the only thing that's changed is the is the camera quality. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes, and there there was totally random, but there were some shots with the the, uh, the the hairstyle and the name Jones on the back of the jersey, where you can see Jermaine a little bit. Yeah, and that made me happy. Just to like think about Jermaine Jones made me a little happy. So yeah. that tells you yeah. everything you need to know about my quarantine. Um, <laughs> another another side plot is the the Ernie Stewart dual national side plot, right? Yeah. Speaking of Jermaine Jones. Um, Come, all, tracing all the way to John Brooks and Serginho Dest today. So uh, keep that in mind as well. That that was always a thing. That is not a new thing. Jurgen yeah, Klinsmann did yeah, not yeah, invent yeah, that. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Um, That's not something Jurgen decided to do. <laughs> all right. Yeah, all right. De- I want to close on one last um, one last kind of macro thought here, which is what does dos a zero mean to you, Ty? This is not the first. I, I've heard in the commentary of this uh, that the that the U.S. had actually beat Mexico, I think, in a friendly two to nothing prior to this World Cup. Um, there have been many. There will be many more. Hopefully, one day, one of these days. Uh, one of these but days. What, yeah. what does it mean to you? Well, I think the whole trend. It, it's obviously luck to a degree. I mean, even even for us to win the the amount of times when there was a game where like Clint like missed a penalty that would have made it three nothing, things like that. The trend obviously has an element of luck to it, but what what it illustrates is that finally we're competent against Mexico. And there was a period, I think, from 2002 to maybe 2014, where I think we were maybe a little ahead, I think you could say. And that has clearly regressed. I think Mexico is clearly well ahead of us right now. But I think the the Dos Acero thing gave U.S. fans something to lean on that indicated that 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 not only can we hang, but we might we're, we might actually be better at times. And that's a total sea change because you have to understand that for the entire history of soccer to this point, we have been severe underdogs, heavy heavy underdogs. Yeah. So the fact that we can have this kind of run of results, especially at this poetic same uh, outcome with clean sheets, it's it's something that the U.S. team and fan culture was able to hang their their hats on, and I think it definitely contributed to the rise of uh, fandom here in the U.S. that that we were able at least to put up these good results against our our biggest continental rival. Yeah. Um, now the danger of it, I, I think there's a lot of danger in it. The, the fact that we just went to Columbus every time until they lost, uh, I mean, I guess I get it. I get it. But I, 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 I will say, I hope they don't go back. You know, I think there, there isn't necessarily magic in it. Uh, I think it has become in some ways a, um, not a crutch, but like an expectation, right? We, we, now that we have this Dos Acero thing, we kind of think that, yeah, we'll probably win Dos Acero again. 
and yeah, it's it very easy to get. Yeah, it becomes a little bit get. of like a, a fixation or even like, um, I want to say a fetish. <laughs> like Maybe. It's, it's, Maybe. it's just yeah. not, you know, Trace at zero is better than Dose at zero. We all remember that. Right, right, right. Uh, right, right, I'm, right. I'm jo- I jokingly, I'm like, you know, Donovan cl- purposely misses to keep it Dose at zero. And, and um, I, I also enjoy the, the, the poetic nature of that. But, you know, we want to squash. We want to absolutely destroy the competition. Um and I do think that there was so little to go on for so long that uh, this we needed this, right? Like right. you were saying, we needed this to 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 kind of get a leg into the culture um, and and feel like we're a part of it. But it, it there is there will come a time when it's time to to graduate from it, um, I think, and and grow to the next level of world domination. You know, I don't think the the, the women's national team. Uh, needs a tradition of beating any single team by any single scoreline. You know? they, they just beat everyone all the time. And that's, that's what we're going for, you know? It's, it's not as catchy a chant, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, any last words here before we, we let it go? Uh, my last words, I just, there's there's this beautiful oral history of the game that's on uh, MLS.com, and there's there's a lot of good little tidbits of it. So I highly recommend this. If you watch some highlights, read the oral history, you get 10 minutes of beautiful Nats content. Um, I'll give you two. I'll give you two here. Okay. This is Donovan says, uh, Luis Hernandez gave him the worst comment he's ever received from another player in his life. So he says, at one point we're talking, just jabbering back and forth and something happened. He looked at me and he said, I'm going to find your mother, and I'm going to kill her. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. And Donovan says, I was like, wow, this is a little more than a soccer game, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and Donovan says in this article several times, like, he didn't really get it. Like, he didn't get how big a deal this was. Like, you know, beating Mexico, be, you know, playing in a World Cup, all this stuff. He was 20. He just thrown into this. Um, and then the last thing to to our point about our style, right? Borghetti, legend, legendary Mexican striker, fantastic player, said, the U.S. knows how to play against Mexico, and even when they play now, they do it the same way. There have been many years in friendly games when Mexico hasn't been able to beat the United States. Note note how he says Mexico hasn't been able to beat the United States. (laughs) Certainly the United States has gotten a lot better, but their style of play is a lot different when they play against any other national teams. This is a reality, even if they don't wish to openly say it. I think it is always the same strategy. Hmm. So they know, they know that when we play them, we're coming at them with this shit. And that's, that's what we need to overcome because we're not going to be able to consistently be superior if we can't evolve the way that we approach it. Sure. Or approach every game that way. Play every team like it's Mexico. Fair enough. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Cool. Play Costa Rica like it's Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. Do whatever. Just win. Come on, Weston. Just Watch win, some baby. soccer. Come on, Weston. <laughs> Watch a few games. It will help you. Folks, I love uh, I love SoundCloud. Um, very, very helpful for the independent types out there. And uh, I just put a couple songs on there. So if you're still watching this episode, or I mean listening to this episode, if you're still staring at your phone. You're still uh, watching listening your phone. To this, um, search Clay Sabeo. C-L-A-E space S-Y-B. E-O, uh, to find some of my music. I'm, I'm an actual real musician. I would love it if you did that. I also quite like Electron Gear. We're going with the music thing. Electron, uh, it's weird, I think, like Swedish company. They make the strangest gear, and uh, I, I love their stuff. Um, and lastly, I especially love stealing beats from youtube <laughs> mixtape <laughs> culture let's do this thing i always give credit though all right that was that was a a self-serving one but you get it right guys you totally get it dosa zero let's go Woo. we did it it's we the people it's we the people it's we the people